Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to the Cool Kids Lunch Table Podcast with PJ and Mike. Now find yourself a seat at their table. Hey, kids, I'm Mike. I'm PJ. And today we're going to be talking about death and dying. And to help us out, we'll be interviewing author Mark Hoffman to discuss his new book, Good Morning, A Guide to Biting the Big One and Dying Too. Welcome, Mark. Hi, kids. I'm Mark. And Mark, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So let me, uh, for folks listening, let me give you a little bit more background about Mark. So Mark Hoffman has been a newspaper reporter for over 20 years and also an award-winning humor columnist, playwright, and contributor to the countless For a Good Time Call writings on restroom stalls. (laughs) Despite pleadings from his handlers in the uh, Witness Protection Program, Mark currently resides in southwestern Pennsylvania with his wife, stepdaughter, and two dogs. He has received newspaper awards and honorable mentions from the professional Keystone Media Awards, the Pennsylvania Associated Press Managing Editors Award, and the Keystone Press Award for his writings. So, lots of stuff. Yeah, right here. Yeah, and Mark, I also (laughs) saw, um, where's my notes? That, um, yeah, you, I think you have your own uh, radio show and um, where you live. And also, I think you're also... Like an actor yourself, that you have a uh, a group called the Banquet Bandits, so you're very uh, accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the yeah the radio show and the uh, the mystery dinner show. Uh, I, I don't do those anymore. It was uh, uh, they were fun. they were both fun in their own way. I I, lo- I love doing the um, the mystery dinner shows, and but uh, yeah yeah the actors kind of go their own way, and you know kind of uh, stuff kind of dried up. But uh, yeah, if I could do it again, I I definitely would. It was a great time. And I think Peter is going to tell, you, tell our folks more about your new book. Yeah, we're going to talk about the book so that everyone knows what we're, what we're really talking about today. Um, so let's get the business done at the top of the show so we can dig into the fun stuff, right? <laughs> um, so the book, which is called Good Morning, A Guide to Biting the Big One and Dying Too. Uh, here's a little description. When people learn of a loved one's death, they may feel sadness, loneliness, fear, anxiety, resentment, or anger. When award-winning humor communist Mark Hoffman was faced with the sudden passing of his father, he decided to react with a savagely satirical look uh, at death and everything that surrounds it. With Good Morning, a guide to buying the big one and dying too, Hoffman presents a critical yet immature essay on such subjects as the science of death, ghosts, funeral rituals, the cost of dying, psychics giving a eulogy, discovering what a dead body feels like, funeral home etiquette, and much more. His in-depth research, Wikipedia, his relentless dedication to getting to the truth, boredom at work, and his strict writing routine and free clinic waiting rooms on his uh, on his cell phone make this book stand out in the world. I can't read it with a straight face because it's funny. <laughs> makes this I can't book, hear it with a straight face either. <laughs> it makes the book stand out in the world of books about death as well as making Hoppin the foremost authority on things you never knew about death, the things you never wanted to know about death, and the things that death doesn't want you to know. Now, I have been around death unfortunately i think i've uh, i've lost a few people and uh, there are a few people i wish would go quicker than they are well <laughs> <laughs> you know i know a thing or two uh, about uh, about death but the first time we always start our show uh, mark with a childhood memory um so what was your first um fictional character death that affected you the most yeah i, I had to really uh, kind of dig back and uh <laughs> do a lot of soul searching on this one and 
and uh, everyone would think it would be one thing, but it's it's definitely a dog, but it's not Old Yeller. It's Hooch from Turner and Hooch. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But when when he died at the end, I was devastated. <laughs> and like I'm a, like like uh, um, as you said in the uh, in the beginning in the intro, you know, I have two dogs. I'm a dog lover, mm. and so you know. Whenever a dog dies in a movie or show, I'm depressed. Um, but yeah, and 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 um, and after and after Hooch died, you know, and they you know, spoiler alert, I guess we should have said, yes, <laughs> should have yes, said first. I know. Yep. <laughs> I um, you know, the, at the end, uh, Tom Hanks uh, Turner, he uh, you know, he gets married, and uh, Hooch uh, was having a little you know uh, a fling with his wife's dog, and they had a litter. And there was like a Hooch Jr. And it, it was sort of, uh, you know, to uh, give you that sense of, oh, well, Hooch kind of lives on and everything. And and I was still depressed. I'm like, that's cute. But Hooch is dead. You know, yeah. he wasn't even a canine cop. He didn't know the risk. Right. You know? <laughs> he wasn't an officer of the law. But, uh, yeah, that, that that was it for me. Wow, good choice. I have two. Um, and one of them is kind of similar. Back in sixth grade, I think it was. Maybe it's the wrong year, but um, we were we had to read a book in English class called Where the Red Fern Grows. Yeah. And there was a movie based on Where the Red Fern Grows. And in the book, the, the main character has dogs and the and the dogs they die. And and I'm just like you, I'm a big dog lover. So whenever I see a dog die in a movie, I'm a wreck. And here I am at school, like I'm like, I can't cry in English class. I can't cry in English class. I'll get made fun of for the rest of my life if I cry in English class. And the only thing in that movie that uh, that saved me from breaking down was it's a, the, the dogs weren't really dead and you could see them still breathing on screen. So yeah. I was like, oh, God. All right. At least I know these two dogs are still here. Um, I don't know why they want to kill a dog in a movie. Like, why do you want to do that to me? It's not it's not right. And then the second one for me was the death of Superman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that, was, that was a, a, you know, a comic book story that just transcended comic books and pop culture and became such a huge news story to think someone that powerful could die. I was, that's one of my favorite comic book stories of all time. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mine's actually two choices as well. <clears throat> actually, they're both movies. Um, one is actually the first one. I think, I think Terminator two came out, what, 91, 92, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, I, early nineties. Yeah. I saw that movie in the theaters and I guess like you said, Mark to spoiler alert, like when, uh, you know, Arnold's character, you know, the, you know, T100, and he sacrifices. I was like, no. I remember in the theater, I'm like, no, because you just beat T1000. You're like, yeah. and he's like, when he goes, like, he has this, this one more, you know, CPU chip. I'm like, no, no. And he does like the, you know, the, you know, the thumb, you know, going into the, the water. I was like, no. <laughs> That's a punch in your gut when you, when yes. you went like this. Yeah. 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 And the other one is actually, I guess, more recent, I guess. It's uh, 2006, The Departed, you know, and uh, oh. okay, so, uh, Guys, this thing, I think it still, it still hurts me, is uh, when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio dies, you know, because that's, like, very sudden, you know? Oh, my God, I was so devastated. And I have a hard time watching the movie now. Like, I'll watch, that's, like, one of my favorite movies. I'll watch it, and then I'll actually skip it. Like, if I have a DVD, I'll skip that scene, because, like, it's so heartbreaking to me. Mm -hmm. It just breaks my heart, man. It really bothers me. Oof, and I loved his character. I think he should have been nominated for an Oscar. I think he passed to do Blood Diamond. I think he didn't want to be nominated with, uh, I think Mark Wahlberg was nominated. He didn't want to go against his own co-star, I believe. But 
Anyway, uh, oof, that one still hurts me. I have a real-life beef with him, so I like to watch that on loop. <laughs> oh, my God, PJ. Yeah. So, PJ, I guess you don't like The Revenant because it keeps coming back. So. He keeps coming back, so I don't like it. Let him stay gone. He's talking about <laughs> it in my real life, and I don't like it. I'll tell you about that off camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mark, I'm kind of curious. You know, like, you know, I understand the idea for this book came about, you know, the, the, the sudden death of your, the passing of your father. Can you kind of tell us you know, more about that, how that came to be? Sure. Uh, so he passed away in uh, July of 2018. Uh, it was quite sudden. He he was um, uh, fishing at the time. And, you know, so there's worse ways to go, obviously. Um, mm. And I, I was the one who dropped him off at his fishing spot. And he was supposed to uh, take his uh, you know, boat down the river to where we parked his truck earlier and come home. Well, he was supposed to be there around noon and noon came and went then like one o'clock and i'm going i don't know where he is he's not it's not like him to be late yeah. uh, i was actually getting ready to go out and you know see what's going on but then these uh police cars pulled up to uh, our driveway and right there and then i knew something was wrong and they said he uh he passed away while he was in the river and he had a heart attack and uh, a group of kayakers found him and uh and it was just um at that point uh, I started going through the grieving process sure. uh, and as we all do and, and everything was kind of normal, but I think like where I kind of branched out from there was as a humor columnist. Um, I also I just find those little things in life and I, I, I find that humor no matter what. And uh, I think, it, I think it was when, it was probably less than an hour after I started calling people to say that he passed away. People started showing up to the house with food and it didn't stop. It didn't stop until I think the day of his funeral. So right. that, and we, we, and we were running out of room and I was like, well, we can do all this food. And, you know, they just kept bringing it and bring it. Right. And so throughout all this, I'm thinking, well, you know, this would be a great humor column. And, uh, so I, I kind of like, you know, had it up in my head for a while, but then, Something else would happen, say, you know, at the funeral itself. And I would say, oh, that's kind of an interesting thing. I bet I can make a humor column out of that. Next thing I know, I had material for like three months worth of humor columns. And I thought, well, this is going to be like the most depressing run of a humor column ever. Or I could probably do a book about it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So like then like, two weeks after he passed away, I just sat down and started writing it. And there you go. That's how we wound up with Good Morning. Well, I, I think you're right uh, when it comes to writing a humor uh, book or column or anything about death. I know it sounds crazy, but there's a lot of a lot of humor in death. Like mm -hmm. I've been around funerals, you know, my entire life. I'm from a big Italian family. And there's okay. nothing funnier than an Italian funeral. Oh, yeah. You know, like you, you're waiting. Like there's like a checklist. You're like, all right, when is someone throwing themselves over the body of the casket? Like, when's it happening? <laughs> right, right. You know what's going to happen? Like there are these things that happen each time, and in the moment they're not funny, but when you look back, you're like, they really like. I, how many times are my aunts and my mother going to argue about who's sitting in the limo and the first car and the like? This is not the time or place, but it's funny. It is when you look back. So, I think you're spot on when it comes to writing a book in this uh in this genre humor genre about death because death can be can be quite funny yeah and, and i think you definitely have to uh along with that grief and the grieving 
that goes with it. I, I think uh, having a sense of humor also helps you get through it too. Absolutely. Let me ask you this then: when when you were writing the book, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's you said it came about after your father passes. Was there anything that was like off limits to you where you felt like I don't think I want to write about this? Mm. Uh. Uh, I, I don't think anything was really off limits. Uh, nothing really came to my mind to say, well, maybe I shouldn't go this far. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there probably is, but uh, uh, I can't recall anything that made me, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, check myself basically before I wreck myself. And um, I, I think it was all fair game. And I really kind of approached it with uh, kind of like the kind of the universal look of, you know, dying and death and finding the humor in it. Um, uh, And I I would say basically, I think like there's sprinkled throughout the book are just, you know, my personal um, uh, experiences when it came to that. And uh, and I don't think I really crossed the line in that in that regard. Yeah, I think Mark too. I'm kind of curious. You know, when you were writing this, you know, like was this like, you know, obviously it was a like therapeutic thing for other people. You know, when they read it, they're you know going, you know, as they read this, is this all kind of catered to those folks too, or who are also grieving, or is it just? Well, I, I mean, I, I think if um, if you're really devastated by a loss, I mean, I really don't think this book's for you. Uh, if, if you're uh, also kind of uh, affected in the way of you're just trying to find out why find answers this book isn't for you if you're a little bit blue and you need a pick-me-up need a good laugh this book's certainly for you like i like i say in the in the pages um you know humor isn't the best medicine i still say penicillin probably beats out uh, humor (laughs) by far but um it's definitely a a great topical ointment I I have that in mind when I recommend this book to whoever. I I think you did an excellent job of making what could be a touchy subject very relatable. Mm. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that don't want to talk about death. You you put it in your book. You you put it a a way that I thought was great. Everyone is here and they're happy to be here, but they they want to know that there's something over there. (laughs) And and I thought that was really uh, just a great way of describing why people have a like a faith or a belief in the afterlife is because you know, there is something here, so it's great. But if there's nothing over there, it's real scary to think about where you're going. And I thought that was a great way of putting it. Um, I I really did. So I just want to say like, I I found the book totally relatable on a lot of different ways. And my favorite part of the entire book um, actually was the, towards the end was the question and answer. (laughs) I thought that was great. And there was some stuff in there that I really found myself laughing. I actually, I had to text my sister and tell her about something I'm like, you got to hear this. This is funny um, because I, I think that was uh, so I'm actually curious about that. Where did you get the idea to put that like question and answer piece in a book? I, I think it was just kind of like leftover nuggets of uh, ideas I had when I was writing. I thought, well, I mean, I really can't fit like this joke in here. Right. What, what am right. I going to do with this? And, you know, basically, as I'm writing. I, I I take notes as well. I, I, it's, you know, the text I'm writing. And then if an idea pops up for another chapter, which happened a lot for this book, I would just put like a, a note on the bottom of the page and 
So I, I had like my text and my notes. So then I had these jokes at the bottom too. And I thought, well, okay, I have all these jokes. How am I going to, yeah, I, I really didn't want to throw them away. Uh, so I said, well, I mean, I'm also do kind of like a question and answer thing, even though no one's asking me any questions, <laughs> but I thought, why not? I'll just make it just another, another kind of a uh, couple pages for jokes. I, there was one, there's actually two in there that really, really had me going. Um, one of them was uh, about why do people say you're sorry? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. And it was funny. It was just perfect timing. Um, so I have a comic book store, which is generally yeah. not a, not a sad place to be. Right. So I was sitting here, um, and I work with my sister a lot in the store and we're sitting at the counter and a, a woman walks in. She didn't appear to be of, uh, over an overly advanced age or anything like that. She comes in, she walks up to the counter. So we're like, how can we help you? And she just starts breaking down and crying uncontrollably. Oh my we're God. Like, uh, what do we do? <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry. I told myself I wouldn't cry. My husband just passed away and mm. he was big into comic books. He, this was, and he passed down his love of this to his children. And she's going on and on and on about this. And we didn't know what to say because we're like, well, I mean, do you say you're sorry? What do you say? So I think I said to her, I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. Right. right. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it was right before the, the holidays. So she bought whatever she bought. And as she's leaving, I'm so conditioned to just saying happy holidays to everyone, like in a right. you know, cheery retail mm -hmm. customer voice. So as she's leaving, I'm like, have a happy holiday. And I was reading the book and that piece came up about the you say you're sorry. And it made me think of that. I thought it was I thought you were <laughs> spot on with it. Yeah. And I'll tell you a story. I um, uh, years ago before my uh, my dad died, um, my my best friend's father passed away and so i, I went to the funeral and um I, you know, I saw my buddy you know i was like saying hey man i'm sorry and all that and then his brother's there and his brother doesn't have a filler you know so uh, so i walked up to him like scott man uh, i'm so sorry and he goes don't say that just say it sucks like, all right yeah it sucks so, well, hey, you're the bereaved. I'm not going to argue with you. Right. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, it's just different for everyone, I think. Yeah. And you brought up before, uh, Mark, about like, just for the folks at home, if you ever heard like the five stages of grief? Mm, yeah. About that as well. Um, they don't go in any specific order, you know, um, just to give. And, and grief doesn't also mean like someone like passing away. You could experience grief from like losing your job, having a divorce, breaking up, right. you know, all that kind of stuff. So, like, some of just to ramble them off there's denial right oh i can't believe this person passed away you can't fathom it right there's anger you know um that's what a lot of people like oh, like oh maybe they're made i got oh you know they took them away from me you know there's bargaining oh i should have spent more time with them that kind of thing oh, i should have done this that could have should have so when you start to really have that rambling in your brain then there's also depression right makes sense right and the last one is like acceptance and i think um you know, with humor, I think that's I think that comes with it, right? We can only laugh at things until we kind of accept the reality of it, right? We can't move on until we accept something. So I think that was kind of really clutch what you said, and also in your book, you kind of mentioned that a lot. So just I think learning more about death helps us learn how to cope with it better. Yeah, and and in the book, um, like I uh, I put I put in there uh, with, with the five stages of of grief. Um, like you're saying, it's not just about death. I mean, I think originally it was for 
it, it, it was created for dealing with a terminal illness. If you're the patient, how yes. they would, and it, it kind of branched off from there. And I even like took it a step like, well, you know, there's, a, you can have your stages of grief when you lose your cell phone. And a lot of people have been through that. <laughs> and it, it, it's definitely a comparison you can make mm-hmm. in a humorous way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. An- another one that stuck out to me is as so funny was in, in my, in my other life, in my day job, when I'm not surrounded by stuff I like doing like podcasting and comic books, I, I work in an office and mm-hmm. I'm responsible a lot for availability of employees. And you had something in there about bereavement days, about how you're only guaranteed so many. And I'm reading this book and I'm cracking up because I've had that conversation with employees who call me about, I need to use a bereavement day. You know, someone passed away and I've had to tell them like, have you thought about planning the wake on a Friday? <laughs> like you have to have that conversation with people. And there, there's this employee on the other end of the phone, like trying not to be in tears as they're going through the, the stages of grief. And I'm like, have you thought about putting them on ice for just one more day? <laughs> if you could just throw them in the freezer, you'll get an extra day out of this. Monday's a holiday. You really want to put it off. Yeah, PJ. I mean, uh, th- that was that was uh, sort of my experience because my dad died on July 3rd. And so and, and I think that year, uh, I think it fell. I can't remember. I think it fell on a Wednesday or a Thursday. I'm not too sure. But so this is, yeah, this is something else that kind of sparked, uh, what would spark a humor column was I was, uh, I had to call my boss when I found out because I was working from home that day. Um, So I called my boss to tell her, and she's like a friend of mine too. And uh, I called her and, you know, told her because she was expecting me to call her about, you know, how's that uh, city council story going? And I go, well, hey, uh, my dad died today. And she, you know, she was like, Oh my God. And so then we're, like, we're talking a little bit and uh, she said, well, you know, tomorrow's a holiday. Yeah. You, know, you get so many bereavement days. And I'm thinking, well, that kind of works out. I kind of get like, I think it was like five days. It's like, okay, well that's not too bad. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, well, okay, that could, that could be humor calls too. So yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it, it's best either to, uh, you know, keep them on ice for a couple days and, you know, definitely uh, check your uh, employee handbook to see how many bereavement days you get. And then you can plan on, you know, keeping uh, your loved one on ice or, you know, calling the authorities. And, and so the official, you know, day of death would be uh, right, right. slightly altered. But, uh, yeah, that, that's good planning. My, my grandmother, she died around Easter. And the mm-hmm. church is like, well, no, because it's Easter to get all the <laughs> So they're like, what are you, they're, you're looking at me, they're like, what are you doing around Memorial Day? That might be when we can fix <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess this is, this is going to wait a couple of days. It's just, it's just funny how, you know, one person's like whole world is in a, like in a spiral yes. in a second, but the rest of the world is just like, nah, that's, it, it, pro- that's a real you problem. Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it, uh, it was weird because, uh, when, when my when my dad died, um, I had to go. My my cousin came over to the house, and we went to get his truck and his boat. And so my cousin, he had a trailer and everything, so he he took my dad's boat uh, to hold on to it. And uh, I, I took his truck, and I, I drove to. Well, we had to go to the police station first. That's where like the boat was. 
and um, and to get his belongings too. And uh, so I'm driving home, and I'm like, ah, I just don't want to really go home at the moment because you know the whole family was pretty much over there at that point. And I thought, well, you know, I, I just want to drive, and I drove down to um, you know the place where I dropped him off, where he passed. Well, it was close to where he passed away. Just kind of reflecting a little bit. <laughs> For some reason, don't ask me why, mm-hmm. I drove to a gas station because I wanted some iced tea. <laughs> and it was so weird. I'm just I'm walking into the, the gas station, the convenience store, and I, I'm just getting this iced tea. And I'm just looking at the people and they're like, you know, these people are just going through their daily routine like nothing's happening. And here's me like my dad died hours ago. And it, it, you just feel so removed from the rest of the world. It's a uh, it, it, it's quite a sensation. Without a doubt. Yeah, Mark. One of the things I love that uh, in your book, and if you if you can, can you describe the, um, like how it feels to touch the dead body? I was really fascinated with that, and I would love for our listeners to hear about it as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for some reason, my mom told this to me when I was a kid, I, and I, I think my mom's dad uh, he passed away when she was a teenager. So for some reason, yeah, you know, she's at the uh, the funeral parlor, and uh, she. I guess, you know, yeah, everyone's grieving and, uh, you know, they were holding on to him. And so she, she touched his skin and she said, well, Mark, here's what a dead body feels like. So first thing you need is you got to find someone like a friend you really trust because, <laughs> I mean, you can explain to him why you're going to do this. But uh, um, so what you do is you and your uh, friend. Like, like, you know, you and PJ can, you know, put your hands together like you're doing a high five almost. And, you know, you can do your two fingers probably. And with your other hand, with your finger, you know, just caress your finger and his finger at the same time. And it, it is a weird sensation. It, it, I, it almost feels like you're touching something that's numb. Mm. But it, the way you feel it and the way it feels... It's just, it's, yeah, when I was reading it, I was like, you know, you know, I was like in my mind, I was trying to, to imagine it, you know, you wrote it so well, too. I was like, I could just see it in my hand, you know, in my <laughs> mind, you know, and also one of my favorite parts in the book and at my job, you know, um, I was told this about my, this, um, um, by the other clinicians, I'm a, I'm a therapist. I worked, you know, I work in the outpatient. So. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I, you know, we're going to interview this gentleman, and and anyway, I love this this one study that you you, you researched. So I'm going to actually read it uh, from the book. So a study conducted a few years ago in 1901 by physician Duncan McDougall measured the weight lost by a deceased human in an attempt to determine if and uh, if and when the soul would exit the body when a person died. The idea was to see if a person's soul was something tangible, something residing in us, like our organs, a drug. And alcohol residue, surgical items from the from past uh, medical procedures, or sex toys from a former or adventurous lovers. <laughs> um, <laughs> MacDougall found the subjects lost in a tiny bit of weight that that averaged about to be 21 grams, which he believed was the average weight of a soul. 39 grams if that person got a soul like James Brown <laughs> and it was super bad. But I love that, and I'm just kind of curious. And you, PJ, you too, man. Like, do you guys believe in souls? Do you think Mr. Uh, uh, Doctor Duncan McDougall was on to something? 
You want to go first, PJ? I mean, <laughs> I think we all got a clock, and I think when that clock expires, I think we're I think we're just done, and that's the end. Uh, that's my personal belief. Uh, I don't know if there's a soul in there. I say try and live it up now, because I think once that clock hits twelve, we're uh, we're out of time. I don't think there's any watching from the great beyond, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I believe there's a soul, um, and yeah, I mean, I definitely could be wrong, uh, but you know, that's why they call it faith. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'll I tell you an interesting story. Uh, I when I was in college. I had a professor. He wasn't a professor. He was more like an instructor, but he was also a, uh, a preacher. Mm. Um, and, you know, as a preacher, they have to go out to, um, you know, people who are dying, give the last rites and all that good stuff. So and he would tell us, you know, that there's times where you would he would go give the last rites and kind of just stay there with you know the person at the hospital or hospice or nursing home, whatever, or home, whatever have you. And uh, he said, <clears throat> when the moment they die, you can feel something, feel something kind of like pass, like through like the atmosphere. And he said, it's just like the craziest thing. And he's telling me this and he said, you know, I, I've been to a few of them and they're all the same. It's just uh, when they pass away, you feel something. And, <clears throat> and you know, I, I don't blindly believe in anything I like to think things through. And like my thought is, well, maybe that's just the heat leaving the body. Yes. I don't know. It could be that. It could be a soul. I mean, I like to believe it's the soul. And because, uh, you know, that makes the story better, too. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I think there's I think there's something definitely something to it. You know, yeah. we've, we've been talking a bunch about how the book is very funny because it is. But I just want to make sure we're not selling you short here because there's a tremendous amount of research that went into this book. Um, at least the way I'm reading it, I felt like there was because there's all those chapters, that chapter about how each different you know, religion or group of people, um, how they believe in the afterlife and what they think. And there's the whole piece about the Ragnarok in there. And, <laughs> you know, um, and I appreciate it because he mentions Thor. Um, yeah. But. I just think there's a trim. Everyone does believe different things. And I just want to make sure everyone who, who listens to this or reads the books knows you're going to, you're going to learn a thing or two while being entertained. Um, and I think that's the, I think that's the measure of a good book. If you can learn something, take thing out and also be entertained while you're reading it. So it doesn't come across as a textbook. Right. And I just sure. want to make sure that everyone knows that this book, it's informative and it's entertaining. And I just want to make sure we put that out and make that clear for everyone. Yeah, and oh, thank you. And and I, I, I definitely think, uh, man, when it comes to uh, different religions and their uh, perspectives on the afterlife, as well as different cultures and how they, how they, uh, you know, go through their process of, um, uh, you know, funeral rites and what, whatever. I'm just scratching the surface. I mean, there's a ton out there. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was just, uh, that, I, I think like that chapter on the afterlife was definitely the longest and it was, it was definitely one of those I'm writing and going, Oh man, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And yeah, it's, uh, like I said, I mean, it, I, I'm sure there's like a ton more out there that I even approach and I could even, I probably didn't have the time and I, I didn't want to, that chapter was long enough as it was. I really didn't want it to be like half the book. So uh, I just found the best ones. And yeah, definitely uh, the, the Viking one is, uh, is my personal favorite. 
because it's yeah, just, I was reading uh, through them and I'm like, which one would I want? And I'm like, yeah. I think King one's the best. It just seems like a lot of work to get there. I don't want to have to go over the battle. <laughs> I just want to get to the part where we're there and we're doing the drinking and the and the eating of the pigs. That's that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking, uh, you know, in terms of which one's being best. Yeah, I mean, like pretty much all of them. You're if you're a good person, you treat people well. Yeah, there's a place for you. Vikings are like the more of a badass you are. <laughs> the yeah. more you know, the more notches you put in your gun or axe, I guess you could say, or hammer yeah. in case of Thor. Um, <laughs> you're you're uh, you're definitely uh, good to go. And uh, so yeah, that I had a lot of fun on that section with the uh, with uh, the Vikings. The Norse. I just, I I like the the gimmick in the uh, in that piece. Or every paragraph ends with us. I thought that was great. Yeah, that that just happened by accident. I, I was writing the, the first paragraph. It ended with ass. And then um, then I'm just, I didn't even think about it. I'm just writing it. And then I, I think upon review, and I was like kind of like rereading everything. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, why not? I'll end every every paragraph with ass. Don't know why. It just popped like that. So. Yeah, I think, and just piggyback what PJ said, because when I went, when I was going to college for, uh, you know, social work, I took a class on death and dying, you know, and all the books were textbooky, you know, I wish we had a book like this back then. Um, Probably not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, one of the things I really enjoyed is like, actually, when you talk about, because I'm not too familiar with cremation, you know what I mean? So that whole section was like, I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? And, you know, and I couldn't help but think about like Big Lebowski, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, towards the end of that movie, uh, spoiler alert. But, um, but yeah, I love that whole section just about like, I think your father was cremated, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And just that whole, that whole section was awesome. And if they, uh, I think the right term, like, you know, burn your body, you're like, they kind of turn it into sand, they, they grind it. I was like, I didn't know that. I thought they just, you know, just take a broom and they push it into an urn, you know, it's like the whole process yeah. was like fascinating, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I thought, uh, cause you know, my, my dad was cremated and my mother was cremated and, um, and you, you'd think they would give you an urn, but no, what they do is they give you like this black box, black plastic box with tape on it. And it has, you know, just the information on the label and, uh, and like where they're cremated, who they were, all this other stuff. And then you open, you get the, um, uh, you get the lid opened and inside's a bag, like plastic bag with the, the, the cremants in inside. And, uh, I thought, well, it's kind of, uh, not really dressy, but right. uh, Hey, <laughs> it is what it is. So, you know, when we had, uh, when we had their funerals, you know, what the funeral home did, uh, I, they, you know, you have, cause I was thinking, like, should we get an urn? And I, I, I can't remember cause my, my dad was like, uh, he was really cheap and, but it worked out for him definitely. But, uh, uh, he knew how to save a money. He knew how to stretch a penny. And he, I thought, you know, well, would dad want us to get an urn? And the answer is certainly no, because we're going to spread the ashes anyway. Like you're saying like the big Lebowski. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, yeah, they used the coffee can, so hey, why not? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, what they did at the funeral home was basically we had that uh, black plastic box, um, you know, on a table, and they just put like a, like a cloth over it, basically. And that worked out. It was nice. 
So you didn't have to get all fancy. And that's the way he would have wanted it. And I love towards the end of the book, too, because in that section, too, because I'm a, my whole family were gigantic Rolling Stones fans. And I forgot about the story how Keith Richards, uh, when his father passed away, he was cremated. And, and to quote Keith Richards, he says, I couldn't resist snorting his own father's ashes with cocaine. So, I mean, typical Keith, you know. It, it must work. He's, they just came <laughs> yeah. out with a new album. <laughs> yeah. God yeah. bless him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it gave him like another life. Uh, what's the? You ever see that movie, guys? Ravenous. I don't know, off slightly off topic. Ravenous. You ever heard of that movie, Ravenous? Is that David Arquette? Was he in that? I don't think so. But basically, it's like it, it takes place maybe like during the Civil War, and it's um, every single time you would like do you you do cannibalism, you get stronger and you live longer. You know, so it's like oh, okay. a lot of Native Americans, and it's you know, it's like I guess it's a horror time period film. It's pretty cool. I think I'm guy check it out. I think Guy Pierce is in it, if I remember correctly. It's a good, pretty good movie. Yeah, Ravenous. Yeah, but, um, yeah I'll definitely check it out. But other things I like, you mentioned the story. And towards the end of the book, folks, there's like he just kind of talks about like these like wacky wills and, uh, and other things about cremation. There was this is somewhere recently, 2018. I guess students, uh, you know, I guess someone's grandmother passed away, and they had a I guess a school bake sale, and this kid decided to put her ashes in the cookies, so <laughs> into the batter, you know. Um, yeah, if you're in, like I said, my like PJ said before, like this book is like, I think this book can help those who, who are grieving. You know, I think I, I think it helps, you know, I think it just normalizes it. You know, death can be a very taboo subject. And I think this helps kind of normalize, like, yeah, this is a part of life. We try to avoid it, like, which makes sense. I get that, you know, but I think this book kind of helps us, you know, accept it and, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think str- he took the ashes and replaced like flour or sugar with them, or just <laughs> added additional ingredients, because that's gonna make for a dense cookie. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely gonna be crunchy. It's like, uh, are these butterfinger pieces? <laughs> you got the finger part right, but um, but uh, yeah, Mike. Like what you're saying is uh, with the um, uh, you know death being a taboo subject, and it, and that's kind of odd. Uh, because it, it's a, ta- yeah, yeah it, it's still for, yeah, for a good part of taboo subject, but it's something that we're all going to have to face, mm. you know, I mean, you can go your whole life and well, I mean, you'd be a very sheltered life if you go through it and don't know anyone who died, but you're going to die. And it, it's just, uh, you might as well talk about it. Might as well have some fun with it. Uh, I agree with that. Like I said, um, you know, there's certain things I always look forward to at a funeral. Um, and <laughs> it's just a, like I know. <laughs> Elaborate, TJ. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a funeral. If someone in my family dies, rest assured, we're going out to eat somewhere fancy after it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just and and someone's going to complain and they're going to say, this is where they took us to eat. Right, right, right. <laughs> my, my uncle, my god, whoever it is died. And this is where they took us. This is what they thought their life was. You know, there's certain things like someone's always complaining about where we're eating. You're complaining about where you are in the funeral procession line. And I, I mean, it, everyone's going to, like you said, going to have to deal with death. I think if you can't find something to laugh about and it, it's just going to be even worse. Yeah, PJ, like you're saying earlier, too, um, when it comes to uh you know, going to funerals and doing what you're like looking at, you could invent a, like a, like the Italian funeral bingo game. You can, you, you know, it, you, <laughs> right, right. Have, you have your squares, you know, you like find some of your relatives who are, you know, who, who would love to take part 
and <laughs> just have like your little bingo cards and just be very observant and <laughs> just go, oh yeah, got that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So someone someone got shamed for their choice of outfit at the funeral. They didn't even <laughs> black. That's what they would of their father's funeral. It's just, you know, it's it's every time. And I just I think that's what makes death relatable is regardless of what culture or background you're from, someone in that in that group has something that they laugh about during these things. Yeah. Oh yeah. And just talk about like this is before you my like me and my siblings were born, but decades ago my parents went to a funeral and I went to, you know, I think a dinner afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. So my mom goes up to my dad and she goes, uh, you know, we have to take home uh chill and grazie eel and my dad's like, what food tray is that? And my mom started laughing. That was in the name of the extended family members. They were like hardcore, like <laughs> Italian. So my mom lost it. But yeah, my dad thought it was like Italian dishes. Yeah. But he didn't, he never heard those names. But he's like, well, what are we bringing home? He's <laughs> actually bringing home these two people back to their apartment. But yeah. Cousin Ravioli, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but uh, Mark, I'm just kind of curious, you know, um, I guess it was not, I think you kind of just said, I'm just kind of curious, knowing what you know about death now, like when you finally face it, you know, um, you know, are you going to do it with a laugh? Well, you know, I, I, I like to think I will. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you have those guys that say, you know, hey, if I'm ever uh, mugged on the street, I can, uh, you know, probably take out my, uh, my uh, my mugger because I watched a, a kung fu movie two years ago and I saw them do that. Then you know when the moment happens, they would just like squeal and you know take throw their wallet at them. Uh, but yeah, I mean uh, I'd like to think I will, but yeah, just something that big, you just never know how you're going to react. Uh, I mean, I certainly hope I will. I mean, it, if not, hopefully I'll have my book with me and I'll just like wait, hold on, okay, I could do this. I would like to plan some elaborate scheme for after I'm dead, you know, <laughs> to remind people. Maybe somewhere down the line, a recording comes through, you know, or mail it out in, in advance or give it to Mike and be like, mail this to my yeah. family in a year. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but, I know what you did. Yeah, exactly. That's all it says. What's uh, oh, Stephen King, I think he was. He was being interviewed about something. And I think it was after he got hit by that van. And um, uh, someone was asking him, you know, about, you know, when he dies, what's he going to do? And he goes, so he said, I, I hope it's Steve again. I can't remember who it was. But um, he said, yeah, I hope to have like a little button uh, by my casket so people could just push it. And then you hear a voice, my, my voice say, don't I look natural today? <laughs> you know, aren't, aren't I dressed to the nines and stuff yeah. like that? Like, oh, that's a good idea. And Mark, and I'm um, just kind of curious with this. You know, the back of your book, right? It warns folks that it may not be for, uh, for those readers who are easily offended. You know, so what makes your book so offensive? You know, what makes you feel compelled to write that? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that was my editor who wrote that. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like she she wrote. She goes, uh, I, I don't know, Mark. <laughs> this is going to be. Uh, uh, I, th- I think a lot of Karens are going to be upset, and uh, and you know she she's probably right. Um, I, I I think like any more, I think a stop sign can offend somebody. Uh, offense is where you look for it, mm. uh, and you know I just want people to know when I wrote this book, I mean it, it wasn't it, it it wasn't with the intention to offend anybody. 
it's just um you know my sort of uh you know my, my immature sense of humor tackling everything i try i think i i think i did it i th- i try to put like a joke in almost every paragraph and uh like 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 you're saying mike you know with your um uh, education and you had to read you know a yeah. book about death you didn't want i didn't want it to sound like a textbook at all so yeah. and, like and i have an immature sense of humor and so yeah I, the jokes could be interpreted as being obscene or offensive well, yeah, some of them I'll admit are obscene. Right, <laughs> you know, right, right. I'll, I'll take full, but offensive. Yeah, I had no intention of offending anybody. Um, you know, like the uh, like the song says. You know, I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Don't let me be misunderstood. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. That's how I approached it. I also when I read that too, I can't remember the exact line. Remember Michael Jackson's video. Thriller in the beginning, it says this is no way affiliated with the occult and all that kind of stuff. For some reason, yeah. uh, I that popped in my brain when I read that. I just think of uh, uh, you know MJ's message before the video starts. So yeah, well, I mean, I think like when Thriller came out, that was in the midst of the um, oh, the satanic metal um, yeah uh, craze. I won't say craze, but outrage, I guess, in the eighties. Yeah. So maybe that's why they did that. Like, yeah, I, I could. I completely forgot about that until you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So do you have a, you know, speaking of death, I have death creeping over my shoulder here from Bill and Ted, right? Yeah, I, I, I saw your background. I was going to mention them earlier. That's brilliant. I should have thought of that, too. Yeah, I have them creeping over my shoulder. Is there, like, an interpretation of death that you think is the best, like, you know, in, in movies or TVs or anything like that? Hmm. Oh man, um, whew, that's a good question. Preparation to death. Um, boy, let me think about that for a sec. Um, I, I would say uh, basically um, any kind of death that wants to play a game with you is probably like uh, the Seventh Seal. You know, um, the, the the knight meets uh, the cloak and the cloak and the sky. Um, death on the beach and they play a game of chess for his soul i love i love that stuff yeah and, and i think you know like, who plays chess anymore so maybe like modern times it'd be uh parcheesi or monopoly or something <laughs> like that uh i, I would I, I like that like they want to play a game with you and um but yeah i mean it's either that i, I remember that show um dead like me did you ever watch that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I like that too. I like that you know people were kind of drafted to be grim reapers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was hilarious, and that was a good show. Uh, but yeah, I, I, was, how about you guys? I mean, I, I I love the interpretation of death and Bill and Ted. I think that's mm-hmm. so. I think the way they handled that was very funny. And uh, I don't think those Bill and Ted movies in general get the love they deserve. But I think oh, the way they great. the way they handled death, I think, is very very funny. Um, and also to a certain extent, spawn, you know, the comic book, oh, yeah. you know, he's not necessarily a grim reaper, but he is a hell spawn and he is the powered by the demons and, and stuff in hell. And I think that's a, you know, and he comes back to earth and he's fighting demons and stuff on earth. I think that's a great, a great interpretation of someone in the afterlife coming back and, you know, taking souls. 
Yeah, I always think of this, honestly, family guy. You know, I know it's more comedic. They have, like, Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald, yeah. Uh, do it. And I, I just feel like I do think of, like, the Grim Reaper. But I feel like he's, like, kind of like a guy who's, like, you know, going to work. And, you know, he's, like, you know, go like, okay, like, looking at his list. And, like, I don't think he's a guy who, like, you know, I guess maybe depending on the uh, the person, he might maybe enjoy it. You know, maybe it's, like, an evil person. He's, like, all right, no problem, you know, taking them out. But um, I think for the most part, he's just kind of like, all right, you know, let's let's do this together. Um I just saw the, uh, I think it came out in 2018. It was called uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It's a Coen Brothers film. And it's like oh, six it's... little stories about death. And the last scene is like very much about death itself. It's pretty cool. And, oh, it's, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I don't want to spoil it because that's an awesome movie. It was uh, great. Yeah. So if you're into the, that's like No Country for Old Men. Some of the folks at home, uh, Fargo, um, they made that film. It's good. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it was it was definitely it, it was definitely more of a dark comedy. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I love the Coen Brothers. Yeah, you know? and so yeah, that was a that was a great. That was on Netflix, I believe. Yes, right? correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. That was a great movie. I loved it. I was gonna say, I know you have um, you came out with this book. I think I saw that you have other books coming out. Um, do you think you'll ever revisit the topic of death again, or do you think this is a one and done? Uh you know what's weird? You know, um, after this came out and, you know, a few people started reading it and I started getting some feedback, people were like, it's like how come you didn't, uh, you know, have a chapter on necrophilia? Going, oh, there you go. Oh, my <laughs> God. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> and I'm like kicking myself for, you know, days. Like, wow, I mean, those jokes almost write themselves. Right, 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 right. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I'm sort of getting like kind of feedback. It, it's almost like when you throw a party for someone and you think you've you've got all your you know T's crossed and I's dotted, and then at the party itself, people come up to you and say, "Well, how come you didn't get these balloons? How come right. you didn't get street?" And you're going, "Ah, oh, man, I should have done that. I should." And I'm starting to get that a little bit now. And uh, so you never know; there might be a sequel some someday on the horizon. But um, uh, like right now. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I have like a, it's like a three book, uh, contract with, uh, Starlit Waters Publishing. And, uh, yeah, this is the first book for them. Uh, the second one, uh, which I hope to have, um, done and out this year is a novel. It's called Living Will. And if you think it's, uh, related to this subject, it's not, it's, uh, it, it's sort of like a, uh, misadventure, uh, on a kind of, uh, I mean, it's sort of like a, a kind of afterlife ish, but it's kind of also, uh, you kind of, it's about a guy who, uh, kind of down on his luck and he blames all of his, his situations on, uh, an event that happened years ago. And it only, if it only went another way, he believes his life would have been better. So he gets this, uh, this kind of cosmic, uh, gift where he has his, you know, has that ha incident happened, he needs to see how his life turned out. And of course it takes a lot of like twists and turns and, uh, it gets goofy. And so it, that, so that's my next book. Now the one after that is sort of, it's almost like, um, good morning in terms of structure. It's going to be like a nonfiction account of aliens and it's called scumbags of the universe. And it's basically just how aliens are a bunch of jerks. Because, oh. I mean, I, I can only do so many, uh, you, you can only write so many aliens are real or aliens aren't real stories. 
I'm just I'm just writing something about let's just assume they are and they're jerks and here's why. So yeah, there's gonna be um I mean there's there's gonna be a chapter on probing. You, you can almost guarantee yeah. that. And uh and you know and abductions and everything else. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one. So those are my next two. And as for any other book, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the hopper up here. So uh, I'm never, I'm never short of uh, an idea. That's for sure. Both of those sound great, but I'm super interested in the alien book. I have, uh, I have so many uh, research books on alien spottings and alien sightings and UFO sightings and, you know, interview. I've read all the interviews of people who claim they have been, probed or or any sort of thing i i find that whole subject fascinating um big x-files fan so oh, yeah Ooh, i love uh, that. i i've always gone down the alien rabbit hole so I, I i look forward to that but when both of those books come out you're gonna have to come back on and we're gonna have to talk about them yeah i, I would love to come back on yeah i mean I'm, I'm having good. a great time perfect so folks if you want to get mark's new book good morning a guide to buying the big one and dying too uh mark where can i find it my man uh, you can go on Amazon. Uh, just look under the book section because uh, for some reason, if you just like do a, a simple, uh, you know, basic search, it, it won't come up for some reason. So you can do that or you can go to my publisher's website. It's called uh, Starlit Waters, S-T-A-R-L-I-T, waters.com. Just go in the book section, scroll down. Um, you know, there's some children's books in there. There's some... Uh, uh, choose your own adventure books in there, stuff like that. I'm under the adult section. <laughs> so, <Got it. laughs> uh, you can tell, you know why. And, uh, you can, there, there's a link on there. You can just click on that and it'll take you to where you can purchase it. Um, if, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a Goodreads author. You can go on Goodreads and check me out. Follow me if you like. Um, and, uh, you know, on Facebook and, uh, and Twitter X, whatever it's called now. And, uh, so yeah, you can stalk me that way if you like. I I, I always invite stalkers. So. Cool. Can anyone More stalk you? Yeah. Can anyone stalk you? You have like an Instagram or anything like that that can follow you there? Or uh, I started setting up one. I don't have one yet. But, okay. Uh, but yeah, but Facebook and uh, X is uh, basically it right now in Goodreads. So. Got it. And we'll put links to all of the places you can buy the book in our show notes, and we'll we'll have it on our social media so the folks listening can. Uh, can buy a copy and I highly recommend that you give it a read uh, to the folks at home because it, it's, it's entertaining, it's informative, it's relatable. And it, it's really, it's a great read and, and it's a, a sizable book, but it's a quick read. It reads so well. Um, so there's, you know, it's not something that sometimes you see a book and it looks so big. You're like, I'm not even going to chance it, but this reads so easily. Great yeah. book all around. Um, highly recommend it. Yep. And it's I, a I appreciate book. it. Yep, it's a type of book you can just pick up, maybe read one chapter, put it down, come back to it. You know, it's a real, like PJ says, has a nice flow and everything. So, it's a great bathroom book. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the best. I think I wrote part book. of it in the bathrooms. So. Right, so, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mark, we really appreciate you having the show, man. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, Mike, PJ, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Like I said, I have a blast, and I'm enjoying your podcast. Big Thank time. you so much. We appreciate that. And we're definitely going to have you back on. And hey, if you want to just come and hang out with us on an episode one day, even if you don't have a book, yeah. you know, there's always a seat at the lunch table for you. Exactly. Oh, de <laughs> definitely invite me. I want to go to the cool kids' lunch table so bad. Always. always. Definitely invite me. I'll be on. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, same time, same table. Stay alive. <laughs> Stay alive.
Boys and girls, lunchtime is over. For more information, visit their website at coolkidslunchtable.podbean.com. Follow the boys on all social media platforms. Just search Cool Kids Lunch Table Podcast. Now get to class before you get detention.